play in a Star Trek series where there's a lot of weird science and people flying around stars to go back in time and inhabiting Katras in each other's bodies and whatever all the whatever the trailer are doing and whatever the hell else is going on. I found mm. the opening sequence of Fly Me to the Moon, which we're about to talk about, the most unrealistic science scene I've ever seen where Renee Picard, right? She's mm-hmm. in this space shuttle that's shaking. The alarm goes off. The thing, there's, is, you know, red lights flashing. Everything's going bad. She's sweating. And then, you know, boom, we learn it's a uh, training exercise. And the guy comes on and he says, boom, you're dead. He comes in over the radio and says, boom, you're dead. Mm. And she goes, oh, my mind is just stuck. I just can't can't do it. And the guy goes, ah, eh, you got three days. I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> She's she's flying a rocket. She she's yeah. not trying to parallel park a car. <laughs> why did why is he so lackadaisical about this at well, this point? I if we if we had known the character of the person saying that, maybe this would make sense. But like, that's totally something that I would say in that position um, <laughs> on your first day, not knowing what's going on. No, like completely facetiously. Like, you know what I mean? Where it's like, oh yeah, you got three days to figure it out. It's not like you're <laughs> you need- taking a rocket into the the most uh, uh, important space mission of the century. Or the the actor didn't read the parenthetical for sarcasm on his line reading. He just delivered it yeah. straight instead of like, yeah, this I'm sure this will work out. She's She's three days. I thought that was absurd. She's three days away in like having the shakes. She's got like the cocaine shakes. And the guy's just like, well, what are you going to do? Sometimes rockets blow up. I don't know. Elon Musk. (laughs) It reminded me that her whole thing in this episode, you know, it's it's fine that she's, uh, you know, it's a big deal what she's about to do. Hmm. Um, But it did remind me of, I, I can't remember what podcast it was on years and years and years ago. Louis C.K. was talking about the movie Gravity, and uh, he was like, yeah, I couldn't get into that movie because it had the most unrealistic thing I've ever seen in a science fiction movie, which is an astronaut who was really bummed out about the fact that they had to be in space. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like she she wanted to be anywhere else except for space. <laughs> space was like her backup plan. <laughs> it's it's the easy route, right? If you can't become, right. If you can't become like a teacher, you become an astronaut. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's true. I don't know. This one is called Fly Me to the Moon. It's the fifth episode of Star Trek Picard's second season. Came out on March 31st, 2022. Written by Cindy Appel. Directed by Jonathan Two Takes Frakes. In universe date 2024. In this one, here comes the little blurb, which uh, for the Picard episodes just rehashes what we see. Picard discovers an important person from his past may be integral to the divergence in the timeline. Q continues his manipulation of the timeline, taking an interest in Dr. Adam Soong. Seven and Rafi attempt a daring rescue of Rios, while Girardi faces the consequences of her deal with the Borg Queen. All of that happens and more in Fly Me to the Moon. Where do you want to start with this one, Clay? Um, well, uh, I, I, have, <laughs> I have one <clears throat> big question that this episode raised for me. Mm. First of all, when are we going to get to see, like, the Sung descendant who is just like a rich fuckboy or something. Right. Why do they all have to be? Yeah. 
Why do they all have to be involved in genetics? Well, this one's just a retread. I'm glad we watched Enterprise. He's a retread of Arixun, really. He's the same thing. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. yeah. Um, but secondly, more seriously, I and if this is part of the plan, like if this is part of the story, <clears throat> I'm not sure about the storytelling here. <clears throat> what is Q's plan and why? So Q, tell me when I'm wrong here. Mm-hmm. Q is out to cause the divergence, right? Or at least yes. that's what people assume is going on. He seems very angry about it. He's trying to get uh, Chris Sung or whatever his name is yeah. to uh, <laughs> Adam Sung, Adam Sung to, I guess, stop <clears throat> Renee Picard from going to space. Yeah, yeah. Which basically just. Once they started talking about that, I was like, fucking, this is just first contact. It's yes. the same story as first contact. Yeah. <clears throat> with um, Q. Yeah. With Q. And once they kind of laid that out, my thought was, why did he bring Picard here? Why Why he's, did he, he's so mad about this stuff, and then he puts him in the position to save it, but then he's the one who's causing it? Yeah, it's it's not... I mean, I, I think it, I, I will answer your question, but I think that like my takeaway from this episode is that it's such a shocking reminder to me of how these new shows choose to lay out their stories, right? Mm, Where yeah, couldn't half of this been have been pl- like? Couldn't Picard second season, the very first scene, have opened with Adam Soon talking to his sick daughter or something? Doesn't like planting sure. that seed help you develop what's going on at least you have a sense of like okay i understand in this timeline and in this sort of story these people exist right there's like a there's a reason that i should be paying attention to them Mm -hmm. instead it's this we've gone through five episodes before we meet soon at this point who's pretty important to the divergence thing at this at this juncture so i think that to get back to your point the q thing they're going to try to mix it up, right? They're going to try to say that Q is also bringing back Picard because he wants to stop him, and it's another trial of humanity type test that he's doing. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that seems to be the case. My problem with Q at this point is that being halfway through the season and not really understanding what the goal of Q is here is terrible plotting. Yeah, it's yeah. awful, that's, and, and that's what I mean. Like at this point, <clears throat> they keep throwing curveballs but i don't even know what street we're on so i don't even realize when we've turned onto another street yeah yeah you know what i mean it, it's 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 very um i don't know what this show cares about as far as story because there's a lot of stuff like i'm glad we spent two episodes <laughs> with rios getting arrested so that could just be over Yep. Um, <laughs> I, I'm sure. I'm sure it will come back coming. in some fashion later in the season or something. But you would think maybe. I mean, yeah, but the other good example is um, they spent the entire first episode dealing heavily with how Picard feels about Laris, and a Laris lookalike appears here, and it only turns into a joke where Seven says, "Was that awkward for you?" And Picard goes, "Yeah." You know, right. like yeah, he doesn't he doesn't have a special conversation with the agent posing as Laris because he's like, you look just like the love of my life or something like that. There's no impact yet to any of that stuff. 
Yeah. And yeah, I and I don't know what significance that using that face for this character holds. Right. I I don't know if Laris if we're supposed to uh, uh, be in, un, in under the uh, belief that maybe Laris is actually this character. No, in the future, I don't think so right? Yeah, yeah, probably not. But like, it, I, it ties into I, there's so many characters and actors repeat themselves in this show. You know, it's like, yeah, it, it, to the point where it must be intentional, really, because I can understand Soji and Soong, right? Because mm-hmm. Soong is a running thing that Spiner always plays that character of that family. His daughter makes sense in that the future Soong created androids that look like her, which makes sense sure. to me. Yeah. Um, I just feel that like the the sort of mirroring of characters where it's like Rene Picard and Jean-Luc Picard and the family members and returning actors who play those characters over and over again. I don't know. It, it, it's hard to tell if it's just that they want that sort of um, fan service thing or if they think that there's a thematic mm. angle to having the characters appear, appear over and over again. I just don't. I don't know. Like, it's kind of it's kind of tough to as to where to settle. But one of the things I was thinking of is just like uh, the show's been going on for two seasons, and if any of these characters died, I wouldn't really care <laughs> at any point. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And we're, we're at the end of the first season of Voyager. I think I'd be more. I know none of the characters can die. I'd probably be more affected if some of the Voyager characters disappeared at this point. And oh, totally. And yeah. I've, I've only been with them for a little bit of time. And Picard has this whole history and baggage, and um, Spiner and stuff like mm-hmm. that is there in these characters. But if you killed all of the characters in the show like including picard i probably wouldn't care at all about who was gone at that point which is sad mark of a great show right there yeah it's it's tough i just i there's so many characters and i don't care about any of them really is the problem with like the yeah the gerardi thing is sort of mired in that consequence like on a on an intellectual level i kind of like what that story is or at least it's the most interesting to me about like what it means to be lonely and join the borg and not be lonely anymore but I still don't really like Agnes and I don't think that she's an interesting character. And I think that it's like, it's not even really well drawn about her loneliness problem or why the Borg would be a good option for her or anything like that. Yeah. You know, I just, and none of the other characters, like Rios and Ice is just the most ridiculous storyline where he let, you know, I I was considering reading like... (laughs) The stories of the ice, uh, the ice officers who've been killed in the line of duty, who they've been arresting, and it's not the kind of people you want to just let loose from a bus, unfortunately. So it's like, I don't know, it's all that kind of nonsense. Well, I mean, I think the, the, there's no nuance to that story at all. No, it's, you are just assuming that everybody on that bus is belongs in know, America. A, a, it's a kindergarten it's teacher. Or yeah, something. I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Um, it, yeah, and I don't know. Like last episode, I mentioned how this ice storyline seems like it would make sense more if Rios had um, shown some sort of character trait that uh, denoted a point of view that was then adjusted by his experiences in the past. Right. Um, You know, learning something from this or, or taking something away from it. He just kind of like, after everything is said and done, he kind of looks around and goes, huh, and then just leaves. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I, I found myself thinking, what, why, I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm jumping the gun and we'll find out that he took some, this storyline has some much deeper meaning to his character, but I, if it's going to feel really hackneyed because they haven't given him a point of view other than like, yeah, this is bad. Yeah. They didn't establish it like they didn't establish Spiner and his daughter in the you know there's there's nothing there yeah. to build off of so whenever whenever these shows come up with an explanation it always feels like they're just tagging it on because they feel like they have to include it to make sense of things really and it's not a story. Yeah. This show it it feels like for a show that has been ostensibly four episodes of setup it feels like they've done no work to set anything up. Yeah, it's all structural setup. It's not even it's entirely it's not story. structural. Yeah. yeah, right. It's not story. It's just how do we get these characters into a certain position? How do we stop them from going after the thing they want? Like on a very clinical scale. Um, and I. You know, they set up all these kind of rules about butterflies and stuff, but then it's, we can't beam them out of there because of butterflies, but let's just set a bus full of people free. You know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, they're just setting things up, positioning pieces with no sense of what the larger story, at least at this point. I mean, again, I am always willing to be completely wrong and look back at the end of the season and go like oh my god what a masterpiece but it's never happened not yet no um the other thing i wanted to mention yep if you don't mind uh i i yeah i'll let you go i I just i um i found this to be a i don't think this was the worst episode of the season so far i think watcher the one before this was the worst one Mm -hmm. I, i found this one to be more discouraging and discouraging in the sense that when I was trying to brainstorm about like what to talk about here tonight, I didn't really mm-hmm. have anything good. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I didn't. I yeah. didn't really. There's no. It didn't move the ball forward enough to have anything new, and I don't think it's really established anything that I can do anything other than just speculation about what is supposed to come. So I was curious, like, mm-hmm. and we will go to your point, but I just wanted to sort of explain that. Um, it's at a weird point halfway through the series when I don't even know what the theme is to talk about, really. Right. Like, right. I, yeah. I just don't know. I don't know if this is about the themes that they set up in the first episode that I liked. I think they might have abandoned those at this point. Um, so it's weird. But go ahead. Sorry for that disjointed thing. But I'm just, I feel oh, like no, it's I, one of those things. Yeah, I feel like this. we're going to just be disjointed the entire time. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, my... my the thing that I kind of came to watching this episode, <clears throat> kind of piggybacking and thinking about the uh, long-winded conversations a couple weeks ago about time travel and whether or not Guinan should know who Picard is mm. and what is happening to what happened Cannon. to the original timeline and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, and this idea that they have an answer but they never explicitly said, like you need to have a a tweet when someone specifically asks you about it <laughs> in order to explain what's going on. <clears throat> and my favorite, I feel like, sorry, sorry, my favorite no, no, thing of that was David Max, um, the Star Trek author. He's like, listen, people, some people seem confused about this. This is very simple. Here's a 57 yeah. tweet thread. 
<laughs> explaining how simple this is. It's like, what the fuck? What are you people talking yeah. about? Yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, that sort of mindset popped up again in this episode for me regarding Sung. Because we're introduced to Sung um, talking to some abortive people. Yeah, his, uh, his fun, academic fun advisors or something, yeah. Yeah, fun cameo by Leah Thompson. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you notice the he, name on the desk sitting next uh, to her, her left? I didn't. I didn't, know. It's uh, referencing his Worf's uh, adoptive human parents as a, a Rojenko character. Yeah. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Uh, I kind of, when they cut back to her, part of me, I, 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 I was kind of, I hadn't seen her nameplate and I was kind of hoping that her name was like Mrs. McFly or something. <laughs> Dr. Um, McFly. Dr. McFly, excuse me. Yes. Uh, but I was thinking about this because he's in front of these people. He's saying, we have the technology to, to genetically alter people. This could save my daughter's life. This could save a lot of lives, blah, 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 blah. And the first thing I think of is, aren't they like less than 30 years removed from the eugenics war in this yes. universe Yeah, where the entire world went to war against a race of genetically altered superhumans that was so devastating they had to send them off of the planet and outlaw it <laughs> for 300 years <laughs> right yeah yeah and i'm he's he's doing this rant and i'm like how how are they not touching on this stuff and then leah thompson gives some uh throwaway line about uh shit i wrote it down oh the uh the shenzhen convention yes uh, what he's doing would be in in uh direct violation. opposition to the Shen- violation of the shenzhen convention which they don't elaborate on and i i googled it briefly it's not a pre-existing thing but people seem to think that it's some uh rule put in place after the eugenics wars or something like that okay which is fine, but it, it, again, highlighted the thing I feel like they're doing with this show, which is they're kind of, they're trying to have their cake and eat it too, as far as they want to tell the story that they're telling, that they, they want to tell the story they want to tell, regardless of whether or not canon gets in the way. Mm-hmm. And the way that they do that and feel like they are not just throwing things out the window is like give the most passing reference to things or like pushing things to the side or when people bring it up online, it's like, Oh, we have an answer to that. And it's a really weird way to do it because the, there are so many interesting things going on uh, from their kind of dealing with from the past of Star Trek canon that they are kind of ignoring. And I was trying to think about, I was like, why are they doing this? And the only thing I could think of is, they're doing it because they think it would take too long and be pointless to try and explain the canon background that undercuts the story they're trying to tell. Right. But at the same time, they turn around and they're like, oh, yes, the Watchers, I remember you. Kirk's Enterprise went there once yeah. and met this guy named Gary Seven, and he turned into a god. And it's like, so <laughs> they don't have a problem explaining that shit. But they can't even mention in a scene that probably it would have helped the scene for Leah Thompson to be like, do you not remember what happened 30 years ago, yeah. buddy? Yeah. The, the eugenics wars. And it's this, I'm not, it's a really weird um, Schizophrenic choice that thing. I, yeah. yeah, I can't quite wrap my head around it. It's like they want, 
they want this show to be accessible to people who don't know that stuff. So that's why they don't talk about it. But because if you've never seen Star Trek before, or if you if you're not super familiar with Star Trek, you're you're not going to wonder why Guinan doesn't know who Picard right. is in yeah. 2024. Yeah. But again, at the same time, they're making references to TOS episodes that are like deep cuts that I've never yeah. even heard of. No, of terrible episodes. Yeah, it's like yeah, what, so, what an episode to choose. Yeah. As I as I said on the Discord about the time travel thing, it's like they're trying to have their cake and eat it too, but eating but they just have all the ingredients of the cake in their mouth and chewing it around instead of baking the cake. <laughs> and it's just it's very I mean, I know it's a stupid small thing to get hung up on, but I do think it's indicative of the larger problem that we were just talking about, which is like the setup and the story's not laid out in a satisfying Con- way that's conducive to like following it and engaging with it right it's just a bunch of positioning and like surface level stuff and uh hand waving <clears throat> certain emotional angles and stuff that it's just i don't know this stuff is getting it's getting it's getting kind of insulting honestly it's, it is yeah, yeah. It, it i don't know well to go off your point of um being sort of stuck in a cannon spot where they're not sort of sure what to do. I can't remember the exact line, but there is a scene later. I think it's someone like seven or something. They reference World War Three in this one, right? They reference that it's coming. I believe so. Yes. Yeah. They, they, but their implication is that look outside. This is clearly a world on the brink of destruction. You know, it's right, it's this right. incredible to 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 us living right now, right? I know outside of like Russia and Ukraine and stuff, but the way that I pictured the World War Three development in the Star Trek universe is not my reality right now that all of a sudden turns into World right. War Three. You know, right. it's this there's this problem here where the show I think is overstating the problems and it's doing it in a way that as we talked before, they have not jumped far enough into the future where I can assume that things are much worse right now and that right. I can understand World War Three coming down the pike. But mm-hmm. to have the characters look like come into my reality, look out on my street, like at my house, and go, well, this is just the darkest timeline right here. <laughs> you know, right, it's it's yeah. like, well, what the hell? What am I living in at that point? And, and why mm-hmm. are these miserable motherfuckers are going to come back and they're going to say this kind of a thing? I just it, it's um I think it ties into just your they 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 know canon, but at the same time they have to ignore it. I think it just ties into how much of a reference fest this stuff is. Like it's there's down to names on the table, down to bringing back a Soong yet again. Like not that a Soong mm-hmm. can't live in this universe and that there haven't been Soongs before, but it's just the amount of stuff that they're just calling back to and making reference to ultimately seems to drive everything else. And it doesn't leave room for there to be any place to do anything. Like in terms of storytelling, to have an actor as good as Patrick Stewart, maybe he's not at his peak now, but he's still a, a good actor. To have his scene where he meets Laris in that apartment and have it be so stupid and so mm. meaningless as to what's going on is kind of almost revolutionary to me. Like, I just don't understand how you can write that scene so poorly because the, the show is not actually interested in what the Laris and Picard relationship is, right? It's like... right. Um, this, this show and discovery are very interested in 
let me let me explain let me tell you about this concept right the mm-hmm. shows will go yes. this is yeah. a concept and it's good enough that we just bring it up and the characters are never really going to do anything about this but we brought it up therefore it's quite intelligent of us to do such a thing you know and mm-hmm. i think that the laris and picard thing is that it's like a guy who can't ever settle down to find love finds that woman again and it has no impact whatsoever on his mission at that point. It's like, why is she the same character, really? Like, what are you driving at here? Where's this going to go? It's just weird. It's, it's, it's such an empty show that deals in concepts like the ice thing. You know, ice is bad. Yeah. Rios frees the ice people. Okay, that, that's, that's it. I don't know. It's, it's strange. Now, Rios freeing the ice people, that sounds like a Star Trek plot. Yes. Yeah, set the phaser on low and just shoot at the ice for a little bit and it'll free them right out of there. Yeah, until it melts. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know. This is, it's just such a strange... Mm. I, really, I was really expecting I, something to come out so I could say, oh, I know what Q's doing now, and therefore yeah. I'll be able to understand what the point of this I all mean, is. Thank God for John Delancey, though. Like He's, he's good. I think he's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, he's a lot... He still has that hard edge to Q, which I'm I'm interested in. Uh, I I am I am legitimately interested to see what's going on, just so I know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> like, because uh, I because they're they're not like the Q plot is not moving forward really, or or giving you hints as to what might be wrong. He's just kind of angry. You got a few a couple hints that he's okay. He's losing his power and acting kind of weird, but that's it. Well, he can't uh, directly gonna... do something for some reason. He cannot make things happen. For some reason, you know, like he can't right. snap his fingers and cause Rene Picard to have a heart attack and not go into space. Well, and I, that's going back to my my original point is why does he want to do that? Because I've never known Q to be someone who who interferes on a malevolent scale that way. Right. He he is a, a positioner and he'll make you fuck yourself over, or he will, uh, you know, he's a trickster. But I've never known him to be the one who picks up the gun and right. goes and tries yeah. to shoot somebody or something, you know? Yeah. So, like, I, if, if that's part of it, that's interesting, but they're not really leaning into that at all at this point. So he just seems like the bad guy. Um, well, he's so angry. He has to, he's angry about something that's happened, yeah. right? And yeah. The, so the, the time travel plot, they're, they're going to have to really do a lot of work to make Q's anger make sense because in the context of this being a time travel story, Q as an omnipotent being knew this the whole time, right? Like there's no, I guess he's not omnipotent really, but like the Q, Mm. how did Q discover this? I guess is the thing, you know, like how how did he figure this out? Yeah. Well, aren't we driving again? Aren't we driving towards Q being responsible for it? Yes. Well, or and, or, and, and yeah. So I guess how did Q discover that he wants to do this thing? Yeah, and that's why I'm confused because, like, if he wants to do this thing, why bring Picard in and position him to be able to stop him from doing this thing? Yes, and why do it so slowly? Why not just drive right. Renee yes. Picard over with his car or something if he can't right. give her a heart attack? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's it's in, it's interesting from a from one p- uh, viewpoint because. <clears throat> the my understanding of most Q episodes is 
like I said, he's not he he's not a direct involvement. He does kind of he's a trickster, but he knows what's going on. He has the answers. He is just specifically purposefully not giving them out. <clears throat> he clearly doesn't have the answer here, right? Well, would does you say he? that? I don't know. It just it just seems I, I'm just grasping at straws trying to figure out. Doesn't have why. the answer in terms of what he's trying to do or what the outcome is going to be. Because he's trying to create the totalitarian timeline, right? That's his goal at this point. I guess. Yeah, it must be. I just don't. It's either going to be the most amazing reveal or it's going to be terrible. I mean, it's 99% likely that's going to be terrible and not really make any sense. Yeah. But Q to me seems like he's trying to stop Rene Picard, which is the event that causes the dark timeline to happen, the totalitarian nightmare timeline. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he wants that. I don't know what that proves. I don't know what that proves about Picard in the sense that mm-hmm. he would need to involve Picard in something like this. And also, nobody's asking these questions in the show, so I don't even know if it's something I should be thinking about. I mean, the only thing that I can think of is like, the the reason to bring Picard back, I think, would tie into what I consider to be how this series would look at things politically, which is that like a lot of a lot of far left ideology does tend to believe that the sins of the father are the sins of the child. They like mm-hmm. they tie into each other. And so I could see that trying to be the point, which is that Q is going to say to Picard, like, your ancestors didn't do yeah it's hard to even like come up with the internal logic of how it would work but to like to lay blame on picard for what had come previously and q wants him there to see that or something Mm -hmm. i don't Mm -hmm. know i don't know it's it's tough we'll have to get through this oceans 11 ripoff first before we discover what the hell's going on but okay that's another thing i want to talk about because so there's things in this in this episode that just feel like lazy writing or maybe i'm i was missing something first of all um, why is there a loaded shotgun in oh, Chateau been Picard? Ransacked. <laughs> That's a Chateau Picard, which has been ransacked and abandoned since World War II. I don't know. It still operates 100% too. It's it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Like tiny thing, but like, come on, guys. Uh, and it's not even this, on the ground. It's mounted no, on the wall. No, it's still on the mantle above the fight. It's like everybody who came through there stealing shit going into the wine cellar they walk by the 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 gun and they're like no leave that leave that we don't need that (laughs) um but the oceans 11 thing right so they're talking about this plan and they can't go into this party because of the insane security systems that like checks your blood or some shit yeah yeah retina scanning knows immediately if you are not supposed to be there, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and so they're like, oh, Girardi needs to go directly into the security room so she can hack into the thing, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> okay, sure. And then they have they go, all right, we have a plan. And then they cut to her going into the party and scanning and being let into the party. So... I immediately was like, wait, did they already do the plan? Mm-hmm. I, cause I, it was, I didn't, she had her driver's license, Clay. They let yeah. her out. 
Yeah, like I couldn't. I got really confused for a minute because I was like, I thought they wouldn't even like let her in if she wasn't in the system, and I thought she couldn't be in the system until they did this thing. So did they already do the thing? Which no, they didn't. No, because she's there to do that. Do do that. Do that thing. Right. Yeah. I just I just found it to be hard to track in that moment. Um, well, it's a sci-fi. And I also found it. Yeah, sorry. I was just gonna say. I, I I was gonna say. I also found it really funny that the rest of the team is just like hanging out in the foyer waiting for her to finish her yeah, job. Yeah. Well, I, it's like, <clears throat> what? Like, it's this weird thing of of Star Trekking Ocean's Eleven, right? Where right. it no longer becomes about the cleverness of Ocean's Eleven, which is like this plot coming together. It's them standing around trying to explain the reasons why Star Trek technology can't work in this situation. Right. You know, I, I was I was wishing they would be like, you know, I think what would have been fun if they had done one of those Ocean's Eleven things where it's like, okay, Girardi's going to go in and like do the whole episode about or something. That. Yeah. Well, I was yeah. no or invert it where it's like seven steps up. She goes, okay, Girardi's going to go in and she's going to do this and like they're showing you all this stuff mm, like sure. they do in Ocean's Eleven montage. Um, yeah, and then at the end. Girardi goes or Rios goes why don't we just beam her into the security room <laughs> and then they go yeah we could just beam her into the security room <laughs> you know <laughs> it would um the the it's a it's a tough series for humor because the thing where Picard's like well that guy's probably not dead but my crew probably has a good explanation yeah That's that a, was fucking a, weird it's a joke right but it do, it never feels right with the tone of what's going on all of the uh the attempts at humor in the show always come across as like ill-timed at best like you're, you're they're kind, all all the attempts at humor seem to come after someone has committed a heinous <laughs> act of violence <laughs> It's like, like when, when you stub when, your toe. It's funny after a little Like bit of when time. Elnor kills those guys and like slices <laughs> their throats and shit. And Raffi's like, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> it's like, Elnor, man, where were you keeping that one, buddy? And it's like, yikes. Yep. No, it is. It is. Yeah, I I, I wish that the Ocean's Eleven thing had been a whole episode. I love Ocean's Eleven, the movie. I love that sort of heist caper concept thing. It's fun. Mm-hmm. You would think the show could have fun with it, but... It's not really a show that wants to have fun. They, they tried to do that last season, and it ended up in a funky accent and an eye patch. Yeah, so. that, that's right. I mean, speaking of funky accents, um, why is she even bothering to do an American accent, Laris? Laris, yeah, it's, it's not great. Just let her do her Irish accent. I, I, Gary Seven, I suppose the influence there. Um, did you have a favorite scene in this one that you generally liked? Thought was decent. Um, Q and Sung. Yeah, I was bo- I was borderline with that one. Um, why did I, you honestly like for it? me? Uh, sorry, yeah, I was just gonna say the uh, honestly, I I liked it less for the content and more for the sort of um, metatextual idea that it was Spiner and Delancey acting with Frakes directing them. I was yeah. like, oh, that's that's fun. And I mean, you know, they were they were both chewing it pretty hard so they were it was it was fun to watch them work together i because i was thinking i don't even know if they ever really had scenes together in tng did they like data and they did there was a there's a whole q data episode yep oh there is oh cool yeah well either way it's fun to see those two guys on screen together it is i i wish it's like every scene with the the show i always wish their scenes were better or had like a better content to what they were talking about um even Q17, like, there's the concept of, like, 
you're going to sit down in 17 seconds and let me explain why, which is kind of a Q mm-hmm. power thing that, that comes from having Q powers and stuff. But the like, even the, the concept is good, but the execution is just like, you're going to sit here in 17 seconds because I know how to save your daughter. And then he sits down. It's like, couldn't that have been a little bit more poetic or something? Is there some, right. there's some way to draw that out or make that seem a little bit more interesting? I, I think that the, um, my biggest problem with Soong in this episode, uh, and maybe Q to a lesser extent, is that I thought that this one felt really divorced from any kind of Star Trek feeling to it. It mm-hmm. felt it felt very much like a futuristic CSI in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, I just and I, I spent a lot of it for Soong's purposes, thinking, how does this tie into him becoming a dictator down the line? Mm. Um, Q, like I and the podcast. I don't want to on this podcast just just be a speculating about that stuff. But I just I see no through lines for stuff, and and isn't a lot of the satisfaction for this soon character if he is supposed to go from a caring father who ruins his career to save his daughter, who becomes known in the future as the founder of this totalitarian nightmare thing. Isn't it more satisfying where you build up that character to make this fall mean something to you? Oh yeah, totally. I just yeah. I don't I don't care anything about him and he doesn't particularly seem like a likable person, really, because they haven't stressed anything about it. You know, he the board tells him that he cheats on his funding or whatever and he's done unethical research and they strip his funding away. It's like, well, that makes sense. That seems a logical thing to do. He's kind of angry. You know, he's not successful mm. at doing this. He doesn't do anything. The only breakthrough comes when Q gives him the cure to it. He doesn't even he doesn't do anything for it. And because you haven't spent time with Q and his daughter, there's no time to actually understand that he sees that as a relationship that he's willing to do anything for. You just have to take it on face value. Yeah, and you also give him the obligatory hard-edged curse word of the episode. Yes. And I every time they do that, I just think about like they draw straws for it with the actors. One person yeah. gets to swear. Yeah, I I just I I keep thinking about I get this like little skit plays in my head of a father and son sitting down on, in on the couch to watch uh, Next Generation and just like having a great time, father and his young son. Mm-hmm. And then that son grows up and has a son of his own, and he sits down to watch Star Trek Picard <laughs> with his son. And all of a sudden, Brent Spiner is on there going like, I'm cloning fucking dogs for these assholes. And it's the father just going, uh, what's going on here? That was, I the, don't know. The Klingon sex scene of Discovery. It's like, well, yeah. okay, okay. And like, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a, if you listen to the show, obviously I'm not a prude when it comes to language, but it's like, we've talked about this plenty of times before. Star Trek has never been, the cursy show. To me anyway, yeah, a, a, a blue show like that. And I don't know. It just doesn't feel right to me. No. it uh, It's like a lot of things in the show. It takes me out of it when it happens. It's like, yeah. wow, Patrick Stewart just swore for no really good reason right there. Um, and like the, and the violence too, like the casualness of the violence coming from these hero characters from the Star Trek future. Yeah. Like if you were going to do this stuff and have these characters be appalled by it, you know, like if you're going to play that contrast where <clears throat> you've got, you know, intense violence being perpetrated and these uh, more heroic characters 
being the ones to kind of counter that, sure, then I can understand it. But when you've got your characters just shooting people and slicing throats and shit, yeah. <laughs> like it's not, I, I don't know. Do you want to talk about the Borg Queen? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, I, I mean, I guess it's kind of similar to the rest of it. it. It's a it's a hint that something is coming. We kind mm-hmm. of figured out fairly early that Gerardi was going to be the one that was, if not, she's not the Borg Queen at the start. She at least becomes invested with the Borg idea here. Um, I... It's it's another plot line that's going to have to if it does do the work, it's going to have to do a lot of explaining to me about why the Borg Queen waited for that moment to do something and why everyone on the ship was like, let's leave the Borg Queen alone for a while and, right. and yeah. see what happens because I don't know, I it's just this I think it's just a misunderstanding of what that species is supposed to be, but I like there's no there's no good reason besides that this is the time in the plot where Gerardi needs to do this kind of thing that the Borg Queen waited this long for this to happen, in my opinion. I, I, like, I don't know. I just don't find yeah. it satisfying. I think that the personal story there has kind of overtaken what the Borg ethos is supposed to be, and it ends up not making a lot of sense. Yeah, part of me, part of me is like, I wish they had done something a little bit more novel. <clears throat> and when they, when they got back to the past... You know, the Borg Queens being all shifty or whatever. Picard was like, hey, you guys realize that we're just here to make sure that the past, I mean, to make sure that the future that we want happens, right? None of us have anything we really need to go back for. So let's treat this as a one-way trip, okay? Mm. Boom, shoots (laughs) Borg Queen in the head. (laughs) Take that right off the board. Don't even have to worry about it. No. Yeah. because like I was thinking, like what, what the fuck are they trying to get back for? I had forgotten she's know. the only way back. They, every, I know, they have I didn't to even remind me that, that all the time. Yeah, um, yeah. Why would you leave her alone? I mean, I guess it makes sense that Girardi wouldn't want to sleep so close to the Borg Queen, but at the same time, it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like. Is the know, board leaving your stuck? stove on when you go to bed and right next to the paper towels and making sure you sleep in a different room. <laughs> can, the board queen can move around, right? Or is she restrained somehow? She's tied up? I think she's restrained, yes. Okay. She got down there one still, time and crawled around. I, I would like to point out that I am very close to being correct that the board queen is going to have some sort of conventionally attractive human body in the show. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um. Borg Queen could have used one of her stinger tentacles to cut her restraints off, I would think, and yeah, then start so. borgifying yeah. the world. I I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I liked the bit at the end um, where they revealed that she was in Gerardi's head. <clears throat> but at the same time, I also didn't like it because it felt really kind of crammed in at the end. Yeah. Like it didn't feel like it was. When did that happen? When did she? After the shotgun when... shot. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she goes, okay, yeah. Yeah, she gets too um, close to her. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's fine. Like, it's an interesting idea, but the way they got there is is kind of clunky for me. Yeah, I, I, um, I mean, a lot of it comes down to this series is similarly to Discovery. It's very invested in personal conflict and personal, like, uh, trauma and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Gerardi is the most obvious storyline here where her loneliness is supposed to be so 
sublime and overwhelming that the Borg Queen consents it and offers her a place in this horrific landscape where you give up yourself in order to have someone to talk to constantly. Um, The other aspect of it is Rene Picard, who... You know, th- there's no way to even like talk about it without sounding dismissive. But who's like suffering from depression, and the watcher that's been assigned to her can't say anything to her and feels bad. And you know, Picard will come along and opine that depression can be debilitating. You go, I understand all this, right. but I don't yeah. understand what this has to do with anything inside of this story. Like, if the, if it's just a if it's a case of depression that's causing this it's just not narratively powerful enough well again we don't know the character at all that we were just being told that she's depressed and and we haven't spent any time with her yet so they can't show us that she's depressed or what her what how her depression manifests itself other than you know the shakes create creative block and the shakes while she's trying to pilot a ship or something but it's but yeah that that scene when when picard starts doing the PSA about depression, I was like, why, why do they, why do they do this? <laughs> they do they just the keep, they just keep saying stuff. They yes. just keep talking. Ab- <laughs> they, they, they talk of things, but they don't talk about them. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yep. Um, and it just, that's kind of why it feels so insulting. Cause yeah, if you want to do a depression thing, go for it. But uh, it feels cheap to do it the way they're doing it here. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's um I I mean how well do you how do you how well do you think that these personal stories work within Star Trek's franchise? Like personal in the sense that what makes these stories different from other personal Star Trek stories, really. Because I know TNG had it, DS9 had it, obviously. Voyage is going to have it. Enterprise attempted to have it. There are stories that focus on characters in those shows. Mm-hmm. But the new stuff feels very different to me in how it approaches it and how it executes on it. Um, I don't know if you have any any thoughts about that. I mean, my my general one is just that it's, it is it's it's mostly born of an era where just feeling that thing is kind of enough for some people in some ways like there's not a mm-hmm. there's not really an examination of like root cause for suffering or like where suffering comes there's no there's no buddhist on the writing team who has like a take on suffering and like how you can right, get around right. suffering and stuff like right. that or has a perspective it's mostly just the idea that you know, highly, extremely well-paid professional television writers are suffering, right? <laughs> they, they know suffering, and they're going to have these characters who are suffering. And it, it never feels to me in that way. None, that of talk- them, none of them have sleeves. They all drink hard. <laughs> the red letter media, the best thing about the red letter media coverage that they did so far is when they brought up the environmental message, they showed that picture of the writer's room and there's about a thousand plastic bottles of water in the, in the right. room with them and stuff right. like that. Um, but I think it comes back to the, like our early discussion about the politics is that there's a central like common humanity core to politics that you can go in a lot of directions with without mm-hmm. upsetting people who hold different opinions. 
And I feel like the, the personal stuff here in the old Star Trek shows and old and just better television writing is that it settles on something that people can recognize as true because you have felt it or you experienced it or you can like empathize with the idea of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the new ones just talk about it, as you're saying. And there's no... Mm-hmm. There's no attempt to actually show why you should feel empathy for any of the characters or why this is something that's a lesson to be taken away or learned from and how it applies to like humanity as a, a whole. Picard's, Picard's statement of like, well, you know, depression can be extremely debilitating. It's like, okay, okay. I, 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 I get that you guys want to talk yes, about this stuff, I've, but it's not good. As uh, uh, my favorite American psycho quote that I use quite often in a dis- dismissive manner from Lewis is when he goes, yes, I've read that. <laughs> that's how that's how I feel anytime I hear one of those. Did you know that there's the Sikhs are like killing hundreds of Kurds in the yeah. Middle East? And Lewis is just like, yes, I've, yes, I've, read, I've that. read that. Yep. Do you sense a difference? Why is the, why I is do. it so unsatisfying yeah. here? I you know I think we've we've talked about it before. It's just they don't press any of these things the way that they used to, like talking about these subjects and bringing them up and using them to tell Star Trek stories usually had a um, a point of view. Well, not a point of view, because this clearly has a point of view, but uh, it it puts pressure on these ideas, even the ones that the, that the writers may um, ideologically agree with, um, that this show just doesn't do. These new shows just don't do it. It's just they kind of, they bring it up and they kind of pay lip service to it, and then they kind of move on instead of really using it to tell a story it becomes window dressing for you know the it's a larger it becomes window dressing for a larger problem in these new trek shows which is it, they all essentially come down to differing scales of techno babble that mean nothing mm. you know what they actually are they're um they're fables where the moral that's always the last sentence in a fable is said at the start of it, you know? Yeah, and, sure. That's and, a really and, good way to put and, it. And yeah. You go like, you go like sour, like grapes are always sour or whatever. And you're like, oh, okay. And then my, instead of even telling you the my story mother about it, said to me <laughs> when I was a child, John Luke, the grapes will always be sour, <laughs> but it's up to you. <laughs> to step on them anyway. What? Uh, we've got to get and back who, to his mother, right? Who can argue <laughs> with that? <laughs> we've got to get back to his mother being dragged off to England or whatever happens in that flashback sequence, correct? Who the fuck knows, man? This is just such a shotgun blast of ideas <laughs> that it's just like, I, I hate to keep using this ex- expression, but it just feels like no cards on a board. Yeah. You know, they just stack the note cards. I, I actually, I not to be too pretentious, but it did pop into my head when I was thinking about this today to sum it up in a way that Star Trek would, would understand and appreciate, which is to quote Macbeth um, and say, it is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing. Yep. Yep, it is. Except I'm sure these people are very smart, but sometimes it doesn't feel that way. But No, I'm... I'm not convinced of their intelligence, really. Um, I don't know. They just, it's Akiva Goldsman, as you've said before, Academy Award winner. Michael Chabon, Pulitzer Prize winner. Chabon's the got, strangest one. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've seen Goldsman talk, and he does not strike me as... No, he's... 
I don't know. I don't even remember what he won an Academy Award for, but it must beautiful have been a mind. Mistake. I think. Oh, right. oh, fuck, fuck that. Uh, he's a he's a terrible writer. Everything he's been attached to is pretty much garbage. Yeah, I, I think he just keeps getting work because never. I don't even, success breeds success in some yeah, ways. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's the same with Kurtzman. Really, like people are watching this, so it's not. It's not. You know, it's that weird. Right. The the success is not coming from a creative point of view. It's coming from a financial standpoint, which is which is the right perspective that CBS should have on things being a corporation that is trying to make money is their major Mm -hmm. purpose here. But there's usually a better, like the old model used to be people will come and watch a good product. So if you want to make some money, you should make a good product and people will come Mm -hmm. to it. Now it's just Mm -hmm. like, well, the world is huge. Everyone has an internet connection. And if you charge $10 a month and you get 1% of the world watching your shit, that's good for yeah. us right there. No, it's the, it's the Amazon model. You go into Amazon, you you try to buy something and you look for the thing that has the largest number of reviews and instead of that actually meaning it's the best one, it just means it's the one that the most people have bought, have bought. regardless of whether or not it works. Yep. And yep. as long as people keep keep buying it, they're going to keep making it. Yep. Yep, that's that's pretty much what what this one is. So, I guess we're done with this episode. Um mm-hmm. I think the conversation we- was fitting. Can we talk about uh, just for a couple seconds? Mm. Have you watched those trailers, the the character trailers for Strange New World? Yeah, a couple of them. Yeah, not all of them. Yeah, you know, I I like them. Um, the the actual content of them feels very much like everything else. So I'm, it's not really giving me that much hope. But um, I like that they're doing them because it is a direct contrast to Discovery where we watched three seasons of that show and didn't really understand who anybody was other than Michael Burnham on the didn't, ship. Didn't know their names <laughs> in a lot yeah. of cases. <laughs> but before this show comes out, they're doing these small little character trailers where they're introducing the rest of the bridge crew. And honestly, I found it instantly endearing. Mm. Um, whether or not you love what they're showing you is another thing, but giving these characters some screen time, some lines, you get a little bit of a feeling about what they're about. I think it goes a long way. I liked the uh, the Enar character. He, I, I can't remember yeah, what his philosophy cut. is, but he seems kind of interesting in a way that I, I would thought was unusual for modern Star Trek. But he seemed neat. Yeah, I hope he only listens to Edgar Winter music <laughs> or Johnny Winter. He should. He, it's too bad he doesn't pilot the ship. That's that's the problem. But he he oh, seemed. Yeah. I can't remember what his philosophy was, but he seemed to have an interesting uh, take on things at least. Yeah. The rest of it, I mean, my, <clears throat> I, I can't disagree about the character work. Uh, at least being focused on is a nice track for that series to go on. I find it very hard to believe that these are going to be standalone stories. Um, yeah, me too. Me too. It's not. It's not going to be that way. Um, so we'll see. But like you were saying, from the trailers, it seems like potentially the crew with the most personality out of all of them. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. Definitely so, the widest variety of haircuts. Yes. Terrible haircuts in a lot of cases. Yeah. Just, hey, it's the future. You're, you, you look, if, if you were in 1970 and you looked at now, you'd probably say, look at those terrible haircuts people have. It's true. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's not two years in the future here. The two years in the future of Picard doesn't have terrible haircuts. We know everything will be okay in 2024. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Apparently, we will have. Um, Tholian web drones, though, yeah. I guess. Yep. Yep. And, um, yeah, full upper body swimsuits. 
too, which which I appreciate good oh, sun protection, yeah. <laughs> but it's an interesting choice there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the weirdest. Um, <clears throat> someone mentioned. I'll go with my final point here. I think Christian or someone mentioned it in the Discord. Uh, there, the scene where Soong is talking to his board or whatever those people are is like academic advisors or whatever the hell he works for. Um, mm-hmm. There is a cut there where they clearly had Spiner ADR a bunch of story into the conversation yeah. because they focus yeah. on the reaction shot of the people listening to him for what feels like 45 minutes while you're watching mm-hmm. it. It's an mm-hmm. extremely distracting amount of time to be stuck looking at a character giving a reaction shot and then it cuts back to him. But I just thought that was really strange because how do you write that? I would just be interested in the production process that led to that scene needing to have that amount of exposition put into it and not thinking that it was a problem from the script point of view. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It was a long take. It's a long take. All right. I guess we're done with Fly Me to the Moon, which was the latest episode of Star Trek Picard. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. We're in a new month, so we're continuing with April's coverage of Star Trek Picard, and that'll dovetail nicely, or at least it'll dovetail into Strange New Worlds, which will come out next month. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. Our best month on Patreon, Clay. Huzzah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I actually feel the fence. Yeah, I actually feel that now uh, the support is enough where I actually have to do more work to justify it, which is a tough spot to be in. So we'll see. I know it's the worst, isn't it? (laughs) I've I'm I'm there. I've been there in my in my own career at certain points where it's like you know if I just skate by at what I'm doing now, not too many people ask me questions. But as soon as I start moving up that ladder, it's like ah, I got to start answering to people. My sketches got to look better. Yep, I got to use an editor now. I did the hourly. Rate breakdown, and I was like, "Oh, like this? It's actually a job now. Before it was just, you know, yeah. it's like sub minimum wage." But thank you, everybody, for at least for that month, it actually bumped it up where I do feel I have to do something. So I will do something. I'll figure something out. Much like Adam Soong, I'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. And much like Adam Soong, we think people are idiots. Yeah, idiot. What, what's his quote? No. Like, the one thing I've learned is that people are stupid. That's basically it, yeah, right? Yeah, I yeah. think so, yeah. Just true. <laughs> but <laughs> I, lo- I, I watch this show thinking Lived that about... experience <laughs> points to yes, yeah. <laughs> That's my reaction thinking about the production staff who worked on this show, actually. But too harsh. The show brings out bad feelings in me, Clay. I don't like yeah, it. Yeah, you know, I feel bad because... If I didn't care... This would probably be fine. I don't know if I would like it, but the fact that I am ostensibly being paid to give my thoughts about this makes me want to pay more attention to it and really look. I mean, that's what we're that's yeah. what people want us to do. And it just it it makes it bums me out that it's we end up going so hard at these things because they are not satisfying in a in a way that I don't know if it's if it's it's so disappointing because it's it's not that hard of a of a thing to get right. Yeah. It seems like this show should be a slam dunk, but for for whatever reason they keep making it so complicated. <laughs> and to the point where you you can't understand what the plot threads are halfway through the season. They got 
antique shotguns with functioning bu- bullets in them still. Yeah. Like it's a, a, a Resident Evil level or something. Yep. yep. It's, I don't know. It just, it bumps me out because I really, really do want to like this show. I want to like all of these shows. I like Star Trek. I would like to watch good new Star Trek. <laughs> and so it's that much more frustrating, yeah. I think. It is. I um, We're just at that point in the season where I I never look forward to the episode when I have to watch it. Like I'm like, ah, yeah. I've got to put it on. I've got to watch it. And even sorry, go ahead. No, no, you can go ahead. I was just going to say, even Discovery. I actually was kind of looking forward to watching Discovery week to week, just because I was so kind of interested as to what they were going to do, even though I knew I wasn't going to like it. Mm. This one, I. I, I'm, I don't look forward to it. I there's nothing. They've done nothing in five episodes that makes me think, man. I can't wait to see at least what they do. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I, like this one. The best thing I can say about this episode is that I probably liked it more than the other ones, just because something happened and they moved the story forward. Yeah, I, I mean, I still think the first one's the best one. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I just think so too, yeah. and they just aren't touching on those those themes at all. But yeah, I, when I turn it on, I just I. <clears throat> It's tough because there's definitely a bias that's been built in me now where I I don't really give the episode a fair shake from the start. Like I try, but there's mm-hmm. this part of me that's watching it going, I'm waiting for the mistakes that I know are coming and I know are going to be yeah. there. And then they hit me and I get so annoyed and distracted by it that it's, it's a weird show to watch. It's just I don't... Um, these new shows have never successfully pulled me in to them. Mm. I've never felt like I've been engrossed by them in a way that um, we just talked about like a Voyager episode like Emanations where, I don't know, it's not that I feel like I'm in the universe, but I feel like the show has my attention in, in Voyager yeah. that episode. Yeah. Like I'm watching it going like, my mind's not watering. I'm not thinking about like what the hell were they thinking when they did this. Like I'm just kind of invested in the show, even though I don't think it's great television or like Shakespeare or anything. It's enough to yeah. it's enough to get my mind. These new shows, I just there's like this fake sheen. I'm just watching it, going, this is just a weird, strange thing, and it does not pull me in. I can't get invested in it. Think about if you're listening to this show. I assume you probably listen to. Uh, our our main show it, uh, that episode hasn't come emanations hasn't come out yet but when it does think about what we're saying now when we're talking about emanations because think about all the stuff that happens in in this show this episode alone of picard all of the disparate plot lines going on that don't make sense and all the things they're trying to get you excited by and remember that when you listen to me talk about emanations an episode of voyager where almost nothing happens <laughs> And I talk about it like it's the best thing I've ever seen in Star Trek television history. You did like it. I liked it too. But uh, yeah, you, it was um, it was a good episode. It was a surprising strong episode. But that'll come out in a couple weeks for you guys on the main feed. But remember this. Fly me to the moon when you see emanations. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>